Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. Yeah, the president sounded like he's concerned about it, but no specifics, no change in policy. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baer. New details have emerged in the House Oversight Committee's investigation to Hunter Biden's overseas business dealings. His former business associate of Biden's, Devin Archer, testified in a closed-door hearing that Hunter Biden put his father on more than 20 business calls on the speakerphone to sell the brand. The evidence continues to mount, and today we saw Joe Biden has lied to the American people. He knew exactly who his son was getting those millions and millions of dollars of wires from, and he spoke to him, and he spoke to them often. Meanwhile, former president and 2024 Republican frontrunner Donald Trump awaits news of potential indictments in addition to what he's already facing in his alleged role in the January 6th riot at the Capitol to overturn the election, as well as an indictment in Atlanta for his alleged efforts to overturn election results in Georgia. For a conversation on this and more, we bring in our panel, chief political correspondent for the Washington Examiner, Fox News contributor Byron York, Fox News senior political analyst Juan Williams, and Fox News audio political anchor and Washington correspondent Jared Halpern. Byron, uh, first let's talk about the Hunter stuff. Listen, Devin Archer's testimony, which was really a, a Q&A behind closed doors, uh, he allegedly says that Biden was used, the vice president at the time, as incentive for the brand. Uh, the illusion of access uh, is what is how it was described. And Democrats say that doesn't prove anything about business dealings. But it's really amazing the evolution of how this is being written, how the New York Times and others that cover this say it was always known that Biden had met with Hunter's business partners um, when we've spent months hearing that he never had even talked about it. Yeah, it's actually it's it's an interesting thought experiment to say, well, if you only got your news from the New York Times, no other source, would you know this? And the answer uh, with a lot of this Joe Biden stuff is no. And that's one reason I think the uh, Devin Archer thing was so important, because uh, Archer uh, apparently, by all accounts, um, confirmed that Hunter Biden uh, would put his father on speakerphone while Hunter Biden was in Dubai or China or somewhere with his business associates. Uh, and the Democratic fallback position was that, well, they were just uh, exchanging small talk, talking about the weather, that sort of stuff. 
And so you saw a kind of a democratic fallback there. And then you did see one, at least one democratic source telling journalists that uh, Hunter Biden was not selling access to his father, who was then the vice president. Absolutely not selling access. He was selling the illusion of access. And so clearly uh, a number of, of Democrats, I think, are in fallback mode trying to figure out what to say. Now, it's true from what we can tell that Devin Archer did not come out and say, oh, yes, we planned this crime together. Or Joe Biden went through the uh, the data sheets for all the companies with us. He didn't say anything like that. Uh, but clearly, Joe Biden's old story that he did not talk about business with his son, he didn't know about his son's business, is no longer true. Jared, the question is, where does this go? And you know, that is the question that Comer gets asked all the time, the chairman of the committee. Um, and now there is this kind of digesting of what Devin Archer said. But has it advanced this ball? I, I think the challenge that Comer has had for a long time, right, is trying to link, you know, maybe the inappropriate or, or business shady dealings that Hunter Biden had with his father, the then vice president. Right. And I think that was what Devin Archer's testimony uh, was aiming to do. Is there a link between what Hunter Biden was doing and what Joe Biden was doing? And uh, as a reporter, I, I kind of want to read this transcript, right? That's always, and I know you share that frustration because Republicans come out and they give sort of a picture of what the testimony said, and Democrats come out and they give a picture of what the testimony was said. And both could very well be true. We don't necessarily know what the context was. We don't necessarily know what question was asked that elicited that that response. It is clear, I think, from both Republicans and Democrats that this illusion of influence probably means that Hunter Biden was trying to, you know, use his family name to, to you know, enhance his, his business portfolio. That in and of itself uh, is not that link that, that I think Comer is trying to uncover. That's why I'm curious to see what this full transcript looks like. Um, you know, what details did it go into as far as what was being discussed in these phone calls when he was on the phone with his father? And how much of that did Joe Biden, uh, who was the vice president at the time, uh, know about who, who was in the room? You can, you know, question what is criminal. Uh, mm -hmm. Juan, you can say, where does this go? You have to say that it looks bad for then Vice President Biden to be in these meetings, <sighs> even on a speakerphone even if he's just saying hello to them, with these folks who are clearly trying to get influence with him. Then there's one meeting uh, at Cafe Milano at a dinner with a leader of Burisma. And soon thereafter, Hunter Biden gets a contract with Burisma. And soon thereafter, Vice President Biden essentially gets the prosecutor who was looking at Burisma to step aside using uh, U.S. dollars. That's all on tape. That's all been talked about before. But it doesn't look good. And so, you know, at, you can talk about where this is going, Juan, but it, it really doesn't look good, especially what the White House was saying about it at the beginning. You know, this is one of these things, I'm just kind of reiterating what my colleagues have said to you, Brett, that I think a lot depends on what's in the actual transcript. So we're all, as Jared said, we'd like to see exactly what was said and not the interpretations or the spin coming from Republicans and Democrats. But secondly, I think for people who have an orientation that says, oh, Joe Biden must be guilty of something. And I'd rather talk about Joe Biden and his problems than I'd talk about Donald Trump and pending indictments. I think that a lot of people think, oh, you know what? This is just polarized politics at its worst. And why am I even paying attention? But I will say this about what we know from Democrats and Republicans who came out after the Archer hearing. 
Archer said just what you heard uh, and, and reiterated to the audience that apparently President Biden, even when he was vice president, uh, was on phone calls where he was not talking business, but he was talking to his son and things like, you know, as Byron said, the weather came up or whatever. No indication from Devin Archer that he was talking about business, no evidence of actual business transactions, no checks, no signed contracts, nothing. But secondly, this comes from Jamie Raskin, the Democrat from Maryland who's on the committee. He says, oh, this was after, this is 2015 after the death of Bo Biden, which, who was the son of the, the other son of the uh, President Biden. And he was often talking to this Hunter, a very troubled individual. So he's calling him a lot. And so he gets him on the phone and, okay, what does this mean? Does this mean that Joe Biden is corrupt, that he has lied to us all these years? I don't take that from it. But, you know, as Jared said, let's see the transcript. Maybe there's something there I'm not reacting to. But I just don't see that this is like, you know, we keep being promised, oh, there's going to be a tape. Oh, there's going to be evidence. Oh, there's going to be proof. I've yet to see proof of corruption on the part of President Joe Biden. Panel, we'll hold it right there. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Byron, let's uh, talk about what Washington is watching and waiting for uh, around the courthouse downtown, and that is the possibility that this other indictment, indictments, uh, come out uh, from the special counsel. And it seems like the former president is prepared for that, too. Well, he is. And to tell you the truth, I would have thought it would have happened by now. We're talking about the indictment from Jack Smith, the special counsel, the second indictment. This one would concern the 2020 election in January 6th. Um, for the for the first Jack Smith indictment, uh, Trump said he got a, a target letter. And then when within two or three days, the indictment had happened. Uh, now, Trump said he got the target letter a while back, and uh, I expected it about a week ago. Hasn't happened. Doesn't mean it's not going to happen. I think uh, for some reason it, it, it hasn't come out so quickly. Um, I think that w as we look at the we know of two indictments, the Manhattan indictment and the, um, the, the documents case, the classified documents case, and we're expecting two more. Uh, this Jack Smith, uh, January 6, 2020 indictment, uh, and the one from Georgia. You know, three of them came out of elections. The The Manhattan indictment comes out of the 2016 uh, election. The Jack Smith indictment, if indeed it comes, will be about 2020, and so will the Georgia. Uh, and Republicans, certainly Trump-supporting Republicans, are looking at this as just entirely political. It all came out of elections. And I, to tell you the truth, since the Manhattan indictment and the first federal indictment uh, actually seemed to increase Trump's support among Republicans, um, I don't see why another couple of indictments wouldn't just continue that or at least not in any way dampen it. 
And the question is, Jared, whether that happens in the GOP primary, doesn't dampen, maybe even strengthens, becomes a sympathetic figure, the former president does, as the weaponization of the FBI and DOJ is, is really a hot topic inside the primary. But as far as a general election, independent, suburban women, they may be really turned off by this whole thing. Well, and that's the warning that you've heard from some of the Republican uh, rivals of, of the former president, right, is they don't want to come out and, and necessarily disparage, uh, other than Chris Christie, disparage uh, the former president. And maybe the, Asa Hutchinson. And maybe Asa Hutchinson, although nobody calls it quite like uh, like Chris Christie at this point. But, but their argument is it's a distraction, right? We need to be looking forward. We need to be talking about policies, not what happened in the past, because you're right. These indictments don't seem to have an impact at all on the Republican base and Trump standing in the Republican Party. But as you know, Brett, you can't win a general election with only your base. You have to win over independents. You have to win over moderates from both parties. And it is going to raise questions in a general election if you have a candidate who is or a nominee who is actively facing uh, federal indictments and kind of talking about those in in the way that he has, right, which is they're not indicting me, they're indicting you, and I'm standing in their way. Uh, That's really going to rally a lot of Republican base voters. But I do think that it is going to raise questions about what it means for a a lot of those maybe Biden-Trump voters that we saw uh, emerge after the 2020 campaign. Yeah. And Juan, you know, you look at the polls and polls, national polls are are one thing. The Early state polls are a different picture, but in both cases, the former president is up astronomically. Uh, and that New York Times Siena poll, fifty-four to seventeen, uh, is really striking if you think about it. Yes, I don't think is. we've ever seen this big of a spread. And so when everybody says, "No, no, no," you know, twenty sixteen, Trump was at one percent, and you know he came and won the nomination. Yeah, but it wasn't fifty-four to seventeen. You're right. I mean, it's it's pretty much intimidating if you're anyone else but Donald Trump on the running for the Republican nomination. Uh, And of course, the big difference is here you have an incumbent uh, and someone with a tremendous base and name ID, Donald Trump running uh, in the race. And so it it shifts the dynamics markedly. I mean, one thing to say here is that you know, when we talk about the poll head to head with Biden, it's a little early. You know, who can say, you know, what that means at this point. But even with having said that, that offered that caution to your listeners. Let me just say that, you know, if any of these indictments, if any of this legal trouble, if any, of he, you know, found responsible, civilly liable in that case where the woman accused him of sexual abuse, if any of it was going to make a difference, you would have think that it would have done it by now. And the answer is it has not. But in the general election, um, you know, a lot of people could possibly even base Republicans who are you know, right now saying they're part of that 54 percent behind Trump. If they're on the line and this continues, it's not only that they might peel away, but also that they might just turn off. Just think, you know, I'm just not into this. I just don't feel like there's either candidate who appeals to me. And right now, that is also part of the potion of the dynamic, that there are a lot of people who wish it wasn't Biden, who wish it wasn't Trump, and who wish it wasn't Biden versus Trump again. And we'll have to see how that matters, because I think lots of people 
just feel like kind of frustrated with the politics of our country being so polarized uh, to no good end. Yeah. Uh, you know, speaking of others, Byron, uh, last night I had an interview in New Hampshire with uh, Governor Ron DeSantis, and uh, the former president didn't particularly like the interview. He thought uh, I was not as hard on DeSantis as he would want me to be, and he also said on his Truth Social that I didn't talk about the polls enough. Um, we did talk about the polls and did talk about how much DeSantis is down, and also pressed him about you know, his flagging campaign, he dropped a third of his campaign staff and he has issues, which we all confronted him, which I confronted him on. Um, but that said, is there a way, like a paint a picture where somebody other than the former president wins the GOP primary? Is it, well, it's, how does it, what does it look like? You know, it's, it's hard to do that. And, um, you know, you, in the interview, you you know you went down A, B, C, D. These are the you know problems with your campaign, and I, I just get a sense that DeSantis has not really faced um, exactly what's going on. As a matter of fact, we have this new report out today from the New York Times about his super PAC, which is his his, his big source of money and is kind of running his campaign now. Um, spent an enormous amount of money, uh, like thirty four million bucks in the last several weeks where they're, you know, desperately trying to make voter contact. And meanwhile, the polls are slipping down. Now, the one model that's sometimes used as a, as a, as an idea uh, that DeSantis can recover is what happened to John McCain in 2007. Uh, basically, his campaign imploded. He, he, you know, it was the second time he had run for president. He'd run for president eight years earlier. And this time he wanted to have a big, professional presidential sort of campaign and he spent tons of money uh and he went broke the campaign just ran out of money they were he wasn't carefully controlling it also he had alienated a lot of republican voters especially with his stand on immigration reform and it's like the john mccain campaign was dead i mean in the late summer fall of 2007 it was over um and he recovers and he wins the nomination uh, at that time, by the way, Rudy Giuliani is leading, uh, although I, I checked, his lead uh, in 2007 was never larger than 14 points. So nothing is and, really and The other thing I'll point out, Byron, is that the issue that McCain was campaigning on was the Iraq war, which was totally what? unpopular. And he was sticking to his guns no matter what. Um, I'm not sure that that translates. I hear the DeSantis people reflecting McCain and they say, you know, we're not walking on a Southwest flight by ourselves, but uh, we we acknowledge that it's going to be something like that. It's just not, you know, apples to apples. I, t I totally agree with you. And and here's the here's the other thing that it's nobody's fault. Nobody in living memory has seen a former president come back to run for the White House again. Uh, we all know that Grover Cleveland did it in the 19th century, uh, but we've never seen it happen. And Trump Teddy Roosevelt did, tried to do it, but eventually didn't. Tried, couldn't do it. Um, a, a number, I mean, Herbert Hoover, amazingly enough, kind of wanted to do it, uh, and that, that didn't work at all. 
And so th- this just hasn't been done before. And Trump, there are elements of kind of a an incumbency in Trump's campaign. He he treats voters like he's the incumbent president. A lot of him, a lot of them view him that way. Uh, Ron DeSantis is up against something that we've really never seen before. So you got to give him that. And nobody, nobody has figured out in the Republican Party has figured out how to bring Trump down. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's just fascinating to see how uh, Juan that he he operates and he does it effectively. Uh, You have to give the former president credit. He is on every day in one way or another with his thoughts. Now. The question is whether this legal stuff catch up, catches up to him. And um, I don't think it's it's been played out. No, no, I don't think it's played out. I mean, we'll have to see. I mean, you know, the, the strongest case may be the one that's been filed, actually, in Florida on the mishandling of classified documents. But people are pointing to the fact that you're in a state that's a red state, many Trump fans, so that would impact the jury pool. But on the other hand, we haven't seen a campaign interference case filed in Atlanta where the jury pools might lean more towards Democrats and be more hostile towards the former president. But, you know, in terms of impacting things, it's all about are you going to be able to dissuade some of the people who may be on the line about Trump or looking elsewhere? And again, there's just no indication at this point that that is what's going on. To the contrary, it looks like what's being done is people are saying, oh, I identify with Trump. I have a grievance against the government, the establishment, the FBI, the IRS. We can go on and on. They're all against me. And I'm Trump is my guy. He's standing in there and he's taking them on and they're picking on him. That kind of identification with Trump, is it's just, it's extraordinary, as I say. It goes beyond politics. It, it leads you to think it's a, a cult of personality. The Trump owns the Republican Party at this point. And, you know, my sense is that there's not much that's going to change it. If there was some sudden, you know, indictment and some fact that came out, I even then, if it was the most damning piece of evidence, my sense is you would still be down let's say, you know, lost 20% or 25% of that 54% that they like Trump right now. So he would still have about 25%, no matter what, is my sense. I don't know about the rest of you, but that's my sense, that Trump is just baked in to the Republican pie. Baked into the Republican pie, Jared. Uh, we have this debate August 23rd. We don't know if the former president's going to show up or not. He says he hasn't decided yet. Um, the rest are going to be there if they qualify. And uh, it'll be fascinating, but it'll also be fascinating to see how they say they're going to win. Well, I think that's an event that could change the trajectory for a lot of candidates. So I'm really eager to see uh, who maybe elevates uh, him or herself in that debate. The other date that's important in all of this as well is May 14th. That's when the trial down in Florida, the federal trial, is supposed to start. This is the documents trial. The documents trial is supposed to start. That's after almost every state has held a primary or caucus. Um, There's a lot of belief that that probably gets delayed because of the way that these trials develop. But uh, listen, we we have a likelihood or a possibility at least that there's a federal trial for a Republican nominee, like in the middle (laughs) of a campaign. That's something that none of us have have ever witnessed or or covered before either. And I don't know what that means uh, in a general election, particularly 
given how political, you know, the, these indictments and, and trials are, are, are and, and are likely to be. It's fascinating. And uh, we've got a long way to go. Panel, thanks so much. Now for a bit of history. August 1st, 1936, the Summer Olympics opened in Berlin. The Olympic Games that year were to host 49 countries. Many new stadiums and facilities were built at the demand of Nazi dictator Adolf Hitler in an attempt to show off the power of the Third Reich. Those plans would be foiled as African-American track star Jesse Owens went on to win four gold medals at the Games more than any other participant. Today, the Jesse Owens Award is the USA Track and Field's highest honor for the year's best track and field athlete. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and a review. We want to hear from you. For Byron, Juan, and Jared, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.